0: To episode 191 of Caitlin's Craft Collective, I'm Louise. You probably hear the pod dog buckle in the background, uh, and I've got a short blather with Colour Me Blue. What's a crack? A very interesting interview with our friend Mike Sheridan and his violin making business. The swap section, the me 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 section, and a short showbiz section. This episode is kindly sponsored by my lovely, lovely, lovely friend Angela. Scotch Tweed is a small family textiles firm based in the Scottish borders. Run by Angela with a huge amount of technical and know-how support from her dad, Gerald, they have a wealth of experience into the weaving and textiles trade. Over 57 years to be exact. Their aim is to bring top-quality tart and tweed fabric, along with other Scottish goods and apparel, including Highlandware, wear, to their customers at the best possible value. Angela is happy to speak to anyone at any time in regards to their requirements. If you cannot see what you're looking for on the website, do give her a call. Her number is on the website, www.scotchtweed.co.uk and is a UK free phone number. And I will absolutely uh, utterly recommend, from the rooftops, her Scottish goods and apparel and her top quality tartan and tweed fabric. <laughs> uh, Richard bought a hat from her when he was up and he's worn it quite a lot, as did Caroline's husband and also some of the. Jackets, oh, wow! Janet Barra just looked stupendous in her jacket. It was like she was always wearing it. So, if you fancy to retreat to yourself or just fancied buying something, because we like buying and getting it sent to us in the post, do go contact Angela. All the links are with the show notes. So get your cup of tea or your dram, and I'll let you know what the crack is in caseness this week.
1: Now for the blazer.
0: The blather. red and blue. When we did the indigo dyeing workshop, I was looking up the instructions for the Jacquard Dye Company and read out the history of the indigo dye to the retreat attendees, some of which was completely new to me and some not so. So I thought it was really interesting and I think you might find so too. So this was taken from indigohistoryofwildcolours.co.uk. Indigo is an ancient dye and there's evidence for the use of indigo from wood or indigo from the 3rd millennium BC and possibly earlier for woad. A frequently mentioned example is that of blue stripes found in the borders of Egyptian linen mummy cloths from around 2400 BC. Several sources claim that ancient linen fabrics dyed blue are likely to have been dyed with indigo because indigo was thought to be superior to woad for dyeing linen. Another example is a cuneiform tablet from 600 BC found in Mesopotamia, with a recipe for dyeing wool blue by repeatedly immersing and airing the wool. Oh, we like that. As Egypt and Mesopotamia are close to Turkey, an area that has many species of wool, it's probably more likely that the blue dye referred to came from wool rather than indigofera. The earliest example of indigo probably comes from the Bronze Age Indus Valley Civilization, which was 3300 to 1300 BC. Also known as Harappan civilization, this is the largest known ancient civilization, and at its peak may have supported a population of over five million inhabitants. I've never heard of that. The Harappan, and this was in Indigo, India and Pakistan. The town of Rojja was the regional center, which is now Gujarat. When it was excavated, archaeologists recovered seeds from it. At least four different species of the genus Indigofera from the site. Archaeologists also recovered remnants of cloth dyed blue dated from 1750 BC from present-day Pakistan, another town of the Harappan civilization. There's at least 50 different species of indigo growing in India. In the northwest region, indigo has processed in small cakes by peasant producers in many centuries. It was exported through trade routes and it reached Europe, Greeks and Romans 300 BC to 400 AD had small amounts of blue pigment in hard blocks, which they thought was of mineral origin. They considered it a luxury product and used it for paints, medicines and cosmetics. The Greeks called this blue pigment indikon, with a key, meaning a product from India, and this word has become indigo in English. Another ancient term for the dye is nili, from the Sanskrit, meaning dark blue, from which the Arabic term for blue, al-nil, is derived. Wow, we're we're learning things a day, aren't we, listeners? This word entered Spanish as anal and later made its way to Central and South America, where it's used to dye to refer to indigo. The English word "aniline" is also derived from anal and it comes is used to describe a class of synthetic dyes. In the late 1200s, Marco Polo. Everybody's playing that game now, Marco Polo returned from his trips throughout Asia and described how indigo was not a mineral, but in fact extracted from plants. Small quantities of indigo were available in Europe then, but they were very expensive due to the long and land journey required and the levy imposed by traders along the route. Locally grown woad was the main blue dye used in Europe at the time. By the late 15th century, Vasco da Gama discovered a sea route to China, allowing indigo to be imported directly. Large-scale cultivation of indigo started in India in the 1600s. Large quantities of indigo were exported to Europe. The cost of indigo dropped considerably, and by the end of the 17th century, it virtually replaced wool in Europe. Indigo was often referred to as blue gold, as it was an ideal trading commodity, high-value, compact, and long-lasting. In the 19th century, natural indigo production could no longer meet the demands of the clothing industry, and a search for synthetic indigo was started. In 1865, Adolf von Bayer, a German chemist, began working in the synthesis of indigo synthesis. In 1897, synthetic indigo was launched. In 1905, Bayer won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for his work on organic dyes, including indigo. At the time synthetic indigo was launched, natural indigo production was nineteen thousand tons, and an area of seven thousand square kilometers. Which obviously we have to refer to Wales here, which it, so it was a third of the size of Wales. Either use Wales or France to describe these things. Nobody has a clue. Right. It had been dedicated to growing indigo mainly in India. The much cheaper synthetic indigo quickly superseded natural indigo for commercial dye and by 1914 natural indigo production had declined to 1,000 tonnes. Most commercial dye now uses synthetic indigo and in 2002 synthetic indigo production was 17,000 tonnes. The world's current production of natural indigo could not cope with the demand for this dye. However, environmental concerns and increased demand for natural and sustainable dyes may lead to a resurgence of natural indigo production. Well listeners, I thought it was absolutely fascinating. So I hope that you did too. Now, I was talking to Michael, who we were just about to hear from, when he came up from London and we went out to the Cape Wrath running event. He ran the marathon and we ran a team marathon. And it was a great weekend. So, well, apart from the uphill parks, not the weekend, but getting organised for their tweet, and I was doing the like sewing and stuff and then getting the indigo dyeing workshop organized and buying strange things and so we got talking and Michael's that affable and he says, oh, indigo dying? He says, you ever died with madder? And I went, how do you know about matter? Because my knowledge that uh, lovely Michael was an engineer, and how would he know? He doesn't knit, why would he know? So we got talking and then we recorded this interview which I think we found very interesting. I'm here with Michael, he's a friend of Richard's and he's come up to do Cape Rathmore this weekend So whilst we were talking, he was talking to me about indigo dying and it transpires Michael dies with madder because he makes violins yeah. So I thought that might be quite interesting to tell the listeners a bit about making violins Because it's crafty and cool
2: It is, it's crafty
0: How did you get into it?
2: That's such a difficult question. I was an engineer for f- five years, and
0: I like how you're looking at Richard trying to remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, you were an engineer.
2: Yeah, a happy but not fulfilled engineer. And I met some instrument makers one day, and that was the initial spark. I mean, previously I've played the violin, mm-hmm. but not had that much interest in, in them. Mm-hmm. But then I saw this, and yeah, I don't know, I just had the idea, thought, maybe that's it. Because you're always, you know, you're always thinking, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. I mean. And I thought, maybe that's it. So, I, mm-hmm. yeah, from there I just, I enrolled in like an evening class, mm-hmm. and did a few courses, like short summer courses and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. over a couple of years, and started building one on my own. Basically. Uh-huh. Built a little workbench. Bought some basic tools. <laughs> so does
0: it involve like woodwork and
2: it's uh, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent well hundred percent woodwork, should you say, yeah. Is it a traditional means <laughs> of making a violin? <laughs> it's the it's the method that has been used since Stradivari uh-huh. in the early eighteenth century. Yeah. Is it we copy the the same method you use a, an inside mould Right That you form the sides around uh-huh. The sides made of thin maple Right um, And then the top and the bottom The belly and the back Are carved from a single piece of wood Each right. Or sometimes from a joint Or they can be jointed you uh-huh. know. Um, this is, um, and, and if you went into a shop And bought a mass reduced violin And they made sort of in a much more or can is there only one may, way of making? Nowadays, I mean, you can go from almost entirely kind of factory made, just kind of assembled by hand, right. and then progressively as you pay more, you get more um, human intervention, handcrafted, yeah. like, which is what you do. Yeah, until you get to the yeah until you get to fully handmade instruments, where mm-hmm. every part is lovingly um, kind of selected and worked and uh-huh. put together. Wow.
0: Cool, That's cool. So, how many have you made?
2: I've finished about five, mm-hmm. uh, and I've repaired two. Mm-hmm. Kind of taking all the instruments that are in pieces and mm-hmm. kind of sticking them back together, and repairing the varnish, retouching the varnish, making it, trying to make it look brand new. Uh,
0: hey, tell me about the varnish because you were talking about matter earlier on.
2: Yeah, the varnish is a really important part to it, and it's a very difficult part to it. I mean. The, like we make the varnish ourselves from scratch from callophony normally like resins resins and you heat them up you melt them down you cook them for up to a week sometimes to add color and then you add them to like linseed oil mm-hmm. and then you can add some extra pigments that gives you your basic varnish and then yeah then that's what we were talking about then you can add pigments. Mm-hmm. And so everything is like you can either get into it and start making your own stuff, or you can buy it off the shelf. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I've made a few pigments. So yeah, we were talking about madder. So mm-hmm. yeah, I did. I made some madder.
0: Well, actually, the listener's quite like you know. hearing uh, really? them. There was one of them when he came in and he had a long drink. And that's
2: the thing, isn't it? it brings them into the because um, they're imagining that you live in a in a, in a stone.
0: Yeah. And uh, a courtries used to come in and snore. <laughs> he doesn't actually snore yet. It's
2: true, actually. they all like YouTube videos, podcasts, they always make a big deal of the dog. And I was like, oh no, the dog's coming, but I really like, <laughs> <they> love it.
0: <laughs> Unless he's making the noise at the bowl, I and mean, then I'm telling the to shut up. <laughs> right, so we're talking about pigments. Hi. Um, do you have to mordant it, or is it just adding the pigment?
2: Yes, you do. Well,
0: oh, you do. Right, wow. I just thought you see with the way I'm doing wool or fabric or textiles, I understand that you have to mordant something afterwards once you add the pigment, but I don't realise you have to do it for varnish as well.
2: Well, you, it's the same that you're just making a pigment and mm-hmm. then you add it to the varnish. So this the pigment making has got nothing to do with the varnish. Right. But you need to, you need to, you need to get the colour out of the out of whatever you're extracting colour from. So in this case, madder roots. Mm-hmm. It's just a normal thing, you boil it. There is a chemical that you add. It's sodium hydroxide. I can't remember. But then you need to attach it to a salt. Right. when you, you're uh, fixing the yes. colour to a salt? Yes, yes, to, yes it and is. And that causes it to precipitate out. Oh. And then you filter it, you dry it, and that's your pigment.
0: Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Am I imagining that you would put a, a leather part on it as well? No? On the violin? Mm-hmm, like for the, where your chin rest is.
2: No, no. Not on the violin itself. The only kind of leather work I would do is just making strops right. for sharpening, yeah.
0: And is there a velvet in it?
2: No, no, no. only on the inside of a violin case? Maybe. Ah, that's
0: what I'm thinking about. Maybe. Do you have do you make violin cases? No, in?
2: but Paolo was thinking of that.
0: what about the what's that The thing? bow? The bow.
2: Yeah, that's a whole other craft. And it's, it's yeah, right. it's it's a whole different set of skills. Mm. Um I mean they're they're made from Pernambuco. Right and yeah there's bending involved and and yeah just basic working and then all the there's metal and Mm -hmm. uh, metal work and stone work around the frog which is the little box that holds one end of the of the hair the horse hair.
0: When you're finished making your beautiful finished object of your violin, do you then play it to see if it sounds good?
2: Yeah, I do, yeah. Uh Yeah, that's the best bit. Is it? Yeah, I love that. And
0: do you sell them on then?
2: That's the idea. That's the idea. I sold one violin. I sold my first violin uh, that I made.
0: Was that pretty cool to listen to somebody else play it?
2: Uh, Yeah, it was really good. I went to his first concert. (gasps) Oh, Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. He was really, really happy with the violin and...
0: Yeah. What more can you want? Yeah, Yeah,
2: yeah. you do, you want to tell his friends. Uh, yeah, that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you make that violin, well, obviously you've handcrafted it, it's got your part of you in it, with your signature. How do you make that unique identifier on that violin? Well, that's one of Michael's violins. Yeah, I think, I don't have anything like specific, like trademark at the moment. I think we're just too fresh, too green. But I guess you do start everyone has a style even at college uh, I was I was three years at Newark College which is yeah the place in the UK you go if mm-hmm. you want to try and try and get somewhere with it but yeah even at that stage you can students they you can you can start to see them in their instruments mm. and it's kind of the way they work is it like slow and detailed and maybe a bit yeah, sometimes it can lack some flowing, you know, a bit more faceted kind of working. Mm-hmm. And some people are fast and flowing or mm-hmm. fla- fast and a bit rough. You know, there's all these different different characteristics that come out.
0: Well, I'm sure that there must be a market for it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a market. As long as, yeah, the sound isn't obviously important. It mm-hmm. needs to feel really good for the players. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so if it feels good and it has... It allows them to express themselves Make the sounds they want to make Cool Then they're happy
0: Oh it's amazing Going from being an engineer of electricity To an engineer of music (laughs) That sounds good (laughs) But thank you very much Michael I think the listeners are probably very interested in that So onwards and upwards And if anyone wants a lovely handcrafted
2: violin com.
0: Oh yes, contact details We can put them on said website
2: Do you get
1: commission?
0: No Isn't he lovely? It's fascinating. So really, if any of you lovely listeners are in the London area and are in the market for a violin, then look no further than my friend Michael Sheridan because I think he's pretty good. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, Section. We have hello to new group members Big Blue Dragon and Boofy. Random hellos are to Astrid and Stumpy and Erica Eccles and the lovely Linda Thompson whom um, if you've been following her on Instagram just give her a wee support because she's she's really really nice and uh, you meet her in real life as well but uh, she's been through a, uh, a tough time recently and Linda I know that you will come through this and we'll do it together. Uh, so hellos to all you what's the crack section and what's crack Right, well, where have I been? Well, yes, I wondered this too. I've been knitting a lot, gardening a lot, running a bit. And also, when I write, went well, to actually write this, I didn't want to. <laughs> Nothing was coming out. I normally go for a run and then sort of think through it. And this wasn't coming. Also, to let you know, I'll be taking the next episode off in July, with it being the school holidays. And, well, that's my plan. You never know, I might actually manage it. But trying to get some quiet time sometimes is quite difficult. Uh, that's where I have been. And then we ran out of satellite broadband and our land broadband wasn't working. So, so hooray, I'm back today. Previously in Couthness, I've had Selma of Selma Knits for video podcast come visit. We had such a lovely time sitting, knitting and talking, mainly talking. And it was delight to see her and spend proper time with her. She was knitting on a jumper with some mohair held double with something and it looked so lovely I wanted to cast on my kid silk mohair with something. I <laughs> can't remember what the something was. She'll tell you in her recent episodes because I know she's finished it now. Last year Twincy of Ellen had a cardigan made in kid silk mohair just itself. It was something that I want to make too because it's, it's very lightweight but yet yeah, it's quite warm and be brilliant for travelling. Meeting people in real life is such an inspiration. I must mention and thank Gardening Witch Jane, who sent me up a couple of her beautiful shawl pins. Thank you, kind, kind Jane. I will wear them with pride. Jane is on Etsy as Gardening Witch, but she's slowed about the sewing, path for the past fortnight, because she's got a new puppy, who really enjoyed seeing photographs of as my... <laughs> I've been out and about in my 3G... Lord, I want to see the puppy! He looks very cuddly and full of mischief. Jane has also bought some more puffin fabric, so do keep an eye on the shop for that. I bought a needle holder with the puffin fabric on, and it makes me smile because I've been using it a lot. So it would be really nice to make you smile as well. Hi, Daniel. We're not ready for you yet. Regarding which, Jane is on Etsy. Moving on, I have a very sensitive skin, as some of you know. I'm allergic to lanolin and is it vitamin, e or vitamin E that they put into a lot of moisturisers and the perfumes and all that. So over the years I've spent <laughs> quite a lot of money <laughs> finding good moisturiser which I can use every day. Plus I'm trying to stop buying things that have got aluminium in them which is narrowing my things I can buy as even the aqueous cream has that too. When we were over in Orkney at Easter I... Always try in Kirkwall to head into the Orkney Soap Shop, which I have patronised over the years. I should make them a plaque like the Royal Family by by appointment of Louise Hunt. Anyway, Orkney Soap. I bought some patchouli and some plain soap, which is made in Shetland soap, and then packaged in Orkney to look like Orkney Soap. I kind of wonder if there used to be an Orkney Soap Company which was then bought by the Shetland Soap Company, or they just want to have the Orkney name and brand on. Because Orkney's very hot on having Orkney all over its stuff. Anyway, that side. I bought some moisturiser, which I highly recommend. It's called the Nicely Natural Moisturising Cream, which I have since bought some more from the Shetland Soap website. Even Richard liked this one, and it soaks right into the skin. It doesn't leave a greasy afterfeel. I'd quite like to get a deodorant bar without the aluminium in, too, if anyone has any suggestions. I've looked on the Lush website, but I wasn't very sure, so if anybody's got a good suggestion of a deodorant bar, please let me know. <coughs> As I wrote this yesterday, oh, it was so cute. Cool. There was a mother duck walking her baby ducklings across the grass. Um, I didn't know where she was going. <laughs> for a mile from the loch. Maybe she knows better than me. Now speaking of mother ducks and wonderful sights, I was sent by Vivian on oh, Keep Calm and Carry On podcast a beautiful project bag from her Etsy shop Pearl and Plum, and that's P E A R L pearl. And this had fabrics, a uh, sloth fabric on it. It's so nicely made as well. I would recommend anyone wanting a project bag or other types of bags to go to Vivian's shop. She's got a really good pair of hands on her. I had told Vivian that it was totally unnecessary to post me another bag because she'd already given me a lovely wee bag of EIF, but she said it was she wanted to, and then you have to always say yes, thank you, but it's also because she tried to kill me off with some hazelnut snacks. I had my hand in the bag and went, what are these? And she went nuts, and I went, okay, no, (laughs) it's fine. So, bless her. This is how nice she, is. she sent me a big bag of Vermont chocolate, which is not only nut-free, but dark chocolate. So the bairns won't eat it all. So I get to eat it. I like a little bit of dark chocolate because uh, I have a treat after my dinner when I'm training. I get the sweetness, but because it's so rich, you don't need much. This bag is a lovely drawstring to it. Not the chocolate bag, I'm done with that. The sloth bag. It's a lovely fabric and it will withstand the pull and tug of the drawstring. I've had a let me look at the stitching <laughs> because I'm like that. I think if you're a hand maker, you like to see how other people put things together and not necessarily comparing and contrasting how well their stuff is, but thinking, am I as good as that? <laughs> so her stuff is very good. I'd never say the hesitation to send you to her shop on 8C. Richard was supposed to be doing his iron distance triathlon of about 2.4 miles swim, about cycling 112 miles, and then a marathon over two Monroe Hills, which was called the Kelp Man. It's slightly different di- distances from the Iron Man, but close enough. Anyway, he was supposed to be doing it, but... Two weeks before, he fell off his bike and when he was doing his last long cycle and splatted himself onto a cattle grid, possibly fractured his eye socket and lots of other bruising, making him look like a mint humbug. He was wearing his cycle helmet and not going very fast and there was no other vehicle involved but the fall was enough to give him concussion. I had to go and pick him up and the doctor strongly recommended, which is doctors speak for don't, don't do this, so he didn't do his killing. It was quite a hard pill to swallow after six months of training, but he made once he'd made the decision, with the doctor's help, um, he was quite pragmatic about it, wished everyone well that we was taking part and is looking on to the next event after he properly heals. So we never made it over to Torland. His bruising actually assisted our school disco costumes. The school building is 50 years old, so they decided to have a disco and a dress-up from the years from 1968 to now. So we toyed with Madonna, ABBA, Dirty Dancing, Top Gun, Ghostbusters, and then I said, train-spotting. Richard went, yes, highly inappropriate for a school disco. None of the bears have seen it, so we did it anyway. Richard was dressed as Renton, Stacey was Spud, Sandy was Sick Boy, and I was the psychopath Baby. <laughs> so I say that the so-called hard... <laughs> I painted on a moustache with mascara onto me and we dressed up appropriately which wasn't too hard all we needed to do was buy some white t-shirts and absolutely have laughing <laughs> mainly at my moustache the, the bears really didn't get it but all the parents who'd seen it laughed we didn't win because Mo won she was dressed in a shell suit and she wore a blonde curly wig with white high heels so funny and her partner was in a shell suit with dark curly and a moustache. And he was very funny and absolutely hating it, so it was even funnier. But it was a really nice fundraiser and a good night. And uh, every now and again, i get the big B face out. The well, rest of it's all in the eyes, but we all knew a psychopath like that at school. Uh, <laughs> Your so-called friends. So last Monday, I had a long-time listener, lovely, lovely Cece visiting me along with her lovely, lovely husband, Jim, and they were doing a tour of Scotland, so it was so nice to chat with them and spend time with them. Hasty back, Cece, who was wearing a gorgeous cardigan, which was knitted in a very well-put-together sock yarn scraps and aged with gorgeous dark green. You might know uh, Cece as a canthus. She's from uh, the Minnesota area and knows Twinset Island and Turbo Galisa and some of my other listeners, so I'm very, very slowly getting them all here. This week is the last week of school, and yesterday was the end of school year assembly. This is Sandy's last year, so he goes to high school in August in Thurso. He had a couple of initiation days last week. I got on really well, actually, so we feel like he's ready to move on now. I don't feel too worried about ongoing Our wonderful head teacher is moving on too And when they sang Over the Ord Which sandwiches the show today I cried A wee boy, he's going to high school He's ready to move on And then because our wonderful head is leaving It just tipped me over And it was was really It was lovely So we wish them all the best And he is ready to go So I have absolutely no sadness about him Moving on We are planning going on holiday to Ireland in the holidays. Um, I have started my itinerary (laughs) is come over, go to Belfast, to the Titanic Museum, possibly go down to Dublin, to the zoo, over and above that, no idea. Not sure exactly where at the end, but hopefully there'll be a couple of yarn shops in the way. If any of you have recommendations of good things to do for families, please let me know. Other than the beautiful countryside, not too sure. But it's quite exciting at the same time. My marathon training plan has actually started properly. I've been doing week one. This is the third week of doing week one, but now next week I have to do week two. But I think my fitness is, I'm happier with my fitness today. So I'm now, I think, 18 weeks away. And currently in the, what have I done so far stage. That'll be fine. Fine. Fine, I tell you. (laughs) I'm using the London Virgin Marathon uh, training plan that you can get downloaded from the internet quite easily. And it basically works you up quite gradually. There's loads going on in the yarny world. fest has just happened in Cumbria. I hope you had fun. Stellation is the new name for yarn bomb, which is I like because it's an art installation made of yarn and if you're going to knit to do that then make art, not bomb things because even when things are dab on they don't need to bring into mind death and destruction because as somebody who I think was from Northern Ireland actually pointed out if you name something now we have a slightly op- obsessed bookle in in uh, the room if you hear tritty tritties because we have I have a man sorting out me. <laughs> There's a long story there. I'm not going. Also, there's been comments on copying in the yarn industry. There's some screamers out there. Unless you listeners, obviously, are kinder spirits and would never dream of ripping off someone else's hard-earned cash because it's what you're doing, really. What well, not you, they screamers. There are that some that do, and blatant's not quite strong enough. So everybody be mindful of where you buy things from and keep our hobby as an industry.
1: This.
0: Swap section. Swap. I think everyone has their swaps now, or certainly posted them. Nobody said anything otherwise. I think. I thought that a nice wee handwritten letter talking about crafty news and stitch markers would be nice in the post. And I was correct. I loved getting my envelopes from Lisa or Sarah talking that in, and she put in a really newsy letter, the kind we used to send before email. It's lovely. I sat down with a cup of tea and read it. It was bliss. And there were some fantastic markers in, some of which are mermaids, which love. I've already put them into the work and focus bag for my next project. Thank you very much, Lisa. I've very much enjoyed saying hello to the postie that day. So I hope that you all got the same, oh, I love this post feeling that I did. Coming up, coming up, coming up, it's near. Coming up. Perth is the 8th and ninth of September, and I am going. I was listening to Tipsy Knitting podcast, Hello, Sia and Pip, a few weeks ago, and when they, when we see Perth Woolfest, we say, Woo, Perth! So, woo, Perth! They're madly knitting yarn that they bought at Perth last year, and it's dedication to the cause. I'm delighted because it doesn't clash with the Kidness half-marathon because it was moved and then moved again so I can do both. Hooray! Woo Perth! Loch Ness is the 19th to 21st of October in Inverness Leisure Centre. They are having a charity knit along and it's a really good one this year as it's for the special care baby unit in Raidmore. And it's in Inverness. So if you want to use up some of that baby yarn or bits of sock yarn left over then start knitting. Dave, a place that you can post to if you're not going, and Daisy had use of Skibu Rigmore, so I can report on it being a, blo- a lovely place of great caring, which your knitting will be greatly received. I mean, granted, that was nine years ago, but babies and parents from all over the Highlands will receive your caring gift. You can send wee blankets, or cardigans, or hats, and there's many wonderful patterns. You could possibly make one a week over the summer. Going from the collection that we made at my retreat, there will be lots of different styles and colours, so let your imagination go. Any size from micro preemie up to newborn, as sometimes the bigger babies have to spend some time in there too. Say, maybe their mum had a run with diabetes. Daisy was full size, but had to go in to get her blood checked, so don't panic if you think it's too big. They have slightly bigger babies than what you expect a premature baby to look like. Now, on their hand, Sandy was very small, and I remember seeing babies much smaller than him, so it is good to have a range of sizes. If you knit or crochet some love and strength into that hat or cardigan or blanket, then that baby and their parents will feel that when they go, where did that come from? And the staff can say, well, these people have knitted, especially for you. That gift will be priceless. The beaker section. Me me, 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 me. Me, section. Along with Bukkul, Bukkul, Bukkul quite incensed. He hates it when somebody's outside and he can't go and say hello. Well, Breathing Space by Vera Valamaki. I have cast mine on. I did a swatch and I'm using Mowed Knits yarn in a dark charcoal and also a light grey because it's a striped short road jumper. And these were presents from the very kind twins, at Ellen and Turbo Ball Lisa from last year. Now, just before Edinburgh Yarnface, Knit British Louise, Louise said she was going to buy her deal from Wensleydale Longwell to make a breathing space. And I said, well, I've got a pattern and the yarn for that. So, I think, I say, say we, I think she decided, maybe it was me, I can't remember, we would do a knit along together and cast it on after her 40th birthday when she was away in Whitby having fun. So far, she's winning, and that we're having this not really competition, but she's still winning. <laughs> and she's gone down to the yoke increase, I think, and I've basically knit the rib for the neck. It's a neck down, and there are short rows on, and it's on fingering weight, and we're talking size three mm three and three point five millimeter needles. Yeah, I keep going to her, but it's so stripey. There are short rows. <laughs> It's twisted rib. I don't hate you. I just hate the fact that there's so much knitting to do. No, I don't actually. I'm just I'm quite looking for the finished product of this. I just hope it suits me. So let me tell you my drama on my three millimeter needles. I went to get my size three millimeters to cast on the swatch. I looked high, low, and in the end, I found one size three knit pro interchangeable. So I put this on to size three and a half on one side and cast on and I thought mmm like this. So I went on a hunt, a bear hunt, I'm gonna catch a big one. Yeah, and all I could find was two long DPNs and one short one in size three millimetre. But I thought, well I can use them, I'll do my swatch, which probably isn't a good idea because you should swatch on the nails that you're actually gonna do your oh, shut, dog would stay stuff. That you're actually gonna do your I'm gonna put him in. I can't stand you anymore. Right, I've locked Buchel in. I'm sorry, I hope that didn't annoy anybody else. It was starting to annoy me. And I've just realised what he's doing. He's walking around with his huge Bonio trying to find a place to stash it. Codro used to do that. He would hide things behind places to get it, go back later. I think it's like the old animal instinct in them. I found Buchel's bonyo stuffed down the side of the couch the other day and I just went, did you do that? And the girls went, that. Nah. And I wasn't sure if I believed them or not. And then uh, he did it again, and I was like, "Oh, that's definitely, <laughs> So he's wandering around my body over his now. But I've shut the doors, so it'll be fine. Right, so where were we? All I could find was the two long DPNs and one short one in size 3mm, which I did my swatch and it worked out, and I was like, da 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 da. And now, when I went to Edinburgh Yarnfest, I bought £80 worth of needles. Oh, I know. But £70 of these were for my lovely mother. She gave me some money towards it, and then I bought some for her birthday, and she has all the DPNs, all of them. She doesn't need any more ever. And I bought some Net Pro Zing fix circulars, and I thought I bought size three millimeters because I knew that I didn't have any after knitting the total dog, and having to use no. And actually, in fact, it was before that. It was the Willy Wormhead scary hat because I had to knit them in streets, Aha, uh-huh. so that's how I knew I didn't have any, or couldn't find any. Uh, and I remember going to e thinking, well, I need size three millimetres. Now, I thought, well, I know where I bought them and put them. Safely upstairs in my stash with the Merry Dancers Tourie Yarn and Pattern. Try it upstairs. Oh, here they are. Look closer. Eh? No, 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 it's not. It's size three and a half millimetre. So I trudged downstairs grumpily and I looked into my other knitting packs. I thought I must have some. Surely I didn't buy another size 3.5mm. Looks around. Mm. And I think I found three. One in a project itself, all size 3.5. So don't let me buy any more 3.5. I then ordered some size 3 Nipro Zings fixed circulars. And DPNs from Meadow Yarn because I like giving her my business. And there I've Twitch Sweet along with a fruit tea bag. I'm quite Fruit Loop, that has to be said. So I've cast on and I'm down past the twisted rib. It's paused now as it's onto short rolls, which requires concentration and also printing out the pattern because I've been just referring to the pattern on my phone download and that's not going to cut the mustard much longer when I want to mark on the pattern. Plus, my phone battery has given up, being any use at all, and I'd rather have a paper copy. Louise, the other one, has also paused hers, because I'm not taught myself in the third person there, as she wanted to finish her lush cardigan again first, so we decided that we would aim to have these done for Perth in September. So far, I liked winding the yarn, and I also liked working with it. <laughs> I just hope that I've got... I'm sure it'll be fine. Slightly out with my comfort zone, but because we're doing it together, we can moan all we want to each other, and none of you will ever see it. <laughs> and she doesn't have to read it, I suppose. Now, in my Arboreal sweater by Jennifer Steinglass News, I am now 13 inches down sleeve one, and nearly at the rib. She has the pattern for long-arm people, because it decreases down so many times until you then reach 16.5 inches, and then you do 2 inches rib. My arms aren't that long. And I kind of realised this about 12 inches, so I've whacked in another couple of decreases earlier and I don't like too wide an arm. I don't like flared arms because it was appearing to look like that. So I'm using clover bamboo DPNs on this and when I had picked up for the sleeve (laughs) the first time, I picked the stitches off the stitch holder squint. I never noticed until I was 2 or 3 inches down and then I looked back. Quite a clear line which I could not live with, so I took it back to the start of the sleeve, and it sure makes a difference to Louise that the stitches line the front leg and back leg. I know that you're all going. Yes, Louise, of course it does. How didn't you know that? Well, listeners, sometimes you don't care, and yeah, well, I never really noticed how much before and. I also really struggle to keep it in my brain, which way round it needs to be picked up sometimes, so hopefully this is a good lesson for that. I'm using West Yorkshire Spinners James in Double Knit Wensley Deal in Jasper Red, and I'm really enjoying the fabric that this is creating. The sleeve is quite lightweight, but warm and cosy and there's a fair bit of shedding from the yarn as I'm working on it, so I'm hoping that when it gets blocked it will lose a lot of the spare bits of fibre because I don't want to be constantly covered in red. I'm doing this as a knit along with the lovely Naomi, Sarah and Debbie. Now, I know that you've been desperate to hear the news on this, listeners, so I'm going to let you off your misery. Naomi was at the bottom red because she wanted to put it in the different colours that she has the yolk pattern in. Uh, I just used one colour for my yoke pattern and I didn't do any extra, I'm just two colours and that's it. And she took it out a few times. I think she actually just used one colour in the end. She's on the sleeves now. Sarah has finished completely, but not yet soaked or blocked hers. And Debbie was halfway down the tummy the last time I saw her. So we're fair getting on, and we'll all have them ready for Christmas, because that's what they are. Christmas jumpers that we're going to have ready for August. <laughs> we're doing this so bad to front. I didn't really touch my vanilla sock much. I'm using Jelly Bean Yarns by Ashley Major that you can get on Etsy. I tidied it upstairs for some reason. Somebody was coming. There was a visit. I think it was my aunties and I tidied everything. Everything just got piled into places and I actually tidied it up back upstairs. And then I thought, well, I'm going to do my breathing space, so I'll just put it upstairs and it's still there. So I need to take them back down and get on with it. I know where I am. I, I'm turning. I've turned the heel, and I'm on the gossip. So, in fact, I might be on for the than that, I might be on the foot. I should be on the foot, shouldn't I? Because that's quite a good place to be. Base foot forward. Right. In crochet news, I was making a shawl. I know. I'm not going to make any shawls this year, said Louise. <laughs> that's me, not the other one. At the start of the year. Now when I was rummaging around in my stash, I moved some Apple Lane apple pie. And this is two really really beautiful skeins and it's deep stash. And it was a gift from a lovely friend Fiona who hails from Caithness and lives in Canada. And it was when she was over good few years ago now, we met up and she gifted me two skeins of this Apple Lane. And it's Apple Pie, which is a sock weight. And it's 65% wool, 20% mohair, and 5% silk, and 20% nylon. And this is from Ontario yarn, from you Canadians uh, that might know. And it was called Blue Fest for the colour. Uh, It's a really bonny blue and turquoise motto. So it's correctly named as Blue Fest. Fiona was crocheting a shawl and I'd always thought that this yarn should be crocheted shawl too and I just I never found a shawl pattern that I liked and then I was listening to Keep Cam and Car Yarn and in this, Alison is the crochet queen I've mentioned her lovely mum Vivian earlier, who knits and they're really funny to listen to their mother and daughter dynamic so Alison was making me want to stretch my crochet skills and that's skills with a Z because Alison has skills with his aid in crochet. She'll be modest about this because she's still learning, but I think she's fearless in her quest and that's good. And I hope she keeps calm and carries on because I find it really inspiring. I like crochet but I'm not really adept at garments. I made Daisy a cardigan when she was a baby and I realised then that I wasn't, that I'd never gotten over that hurdle. That and I haven't really found very many designs that I actually like. And I like the crochet project. I don't actually have any other stuff yet. So I was in Wick Library and there was a book called Modern Shawls and Wraps by Laura Strutt. I thought, well, I'll take that home and see. I could maybe review that for podcast. But I decided against reviewing it because out the entire book there is only four shawls, I think, or maybe my taste. And I don't want that to be the only thing that you heard, which you just have. Oops. Well, there are some decent amount of patterns in this book. So you would probably find some for you, hopefully more than four. But for me, I was maybe looking for something else. Anyway, I found a pattern called Paintbox Palette, so it whispered to me, "Hook me, hook me," because that's how crochet patterns speak. And so I did. I got to row six and thought, eh? and then tried it quite a few times, and then stuffed it and went past it. I know it was never quite right, and the consequent rows, as this is a four or five row repeat maybe not quite exactly what uh, Laura wrote, but I've managed to get past them, as long as you know where your center stitch is. Also, I've learned new stitches in this pattern as puff stitch, which is quite fun to do. And each yarn's great. And I'd never done a double treble crochet stitch in a pattern before, and the yarn loves it. So it was quite fast to grow, which was very nice too. We love a quick grower and 33 rows does not seem too onerous. I really, 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 really love the blue of this. And then I've given it to my head teacher because it's a leaving gift for my children and us as she leaves and moves on to another school. I have a photograph taken yesterday on the barbed wire fence at the back garden on Instagram so you can see it. There was a picture of me smiling, but I realised that my washing line was in the background. I thought, no, I'm not putting that up, even though it's a lovely new washing line. But, you know, laundry, putting laundry out there just just doesn't happen. I really like the, I don't know, I've always liked barbed wire and soft things like wool together. So that's why I did that. And it was such a beautiful day, it reflected the blue thing. People came over and I said, what are you doing? taking photographs. I shall be in there. Now, Richard thought it was quite an old-fashioned pattern when he saw it blocking, but when I put it on, I didn't think like so. It's really light and airy, but it'll be warm as well because there's two whole skeins of yarn in it. The pattern currently isn't listed in Ravelry, which is quite a shame, but maybe as more people buy the book and hook this on, it might change. Her other patterns from the book, some of them are on it. I'd like to make it for me because it was quite moorish and I think I understand that pattern line now. So I was really pleased to use the yarn up and there was about 60 centimetres left which was a bit yarn chicken. So yes, I crocheted faster just in case it wouldn't notice. So I was quite impressed with that. I've also cast on a checkbook's cowl by at Ellen and I'm using the alpaca in iron wheat that I dyed the, at the Indigo workshop at the retreat. Now, retreat attendees, I'm finding that I have very blue hands. So please be aware of this when you're using your stuff that you dyed. Possibly it would be an idea to give your yarn a vinegar or citric acid rinse to stop it or rinse it through again. And also, I'm feeling a little on the corrosive side. Now, remember, I do have very sensitive skin and my pH in my hands makes things be more blue or shades the blue. I'm like a blue magnet. I think that's a parrot from a film called Real, called Blue. I've got a dog called Blue, and he's a good one too. Mm. Moving on. I would really, really hate for any of you to be working on yours and not get the blue out or hurt yourself, so just be careful. I have to say though, it does look beautiful. The yarn is doing the talking. I'm going to give this a really good rinse and setting to stop it from making my neck blue. So I'll have to look up how to do this and like you know. It sort of sits in the sunroom, but recently I've been watching the World Cup and I've been knitting on my arboreal when I've been doing the World Cup, well I've been watching the World Cup, which I love, I love the World Cup, especially just now because Scotland didn't qualify for the finals, so uh, I can be completely impartial. Obviously. England all the way. don't know if I actually want East to win because then we'd never hear the end of it. But, obviously, home countries and all that sort of stuff, so, um, but I'm loving having the idea of like, well, it's Iceland versus Croatia today, Iceland have geysers, let's choose Iceland. Obviously, I like Iceland. Number 19, he's rather handsome. And then there's elephants. Nigeria has elephants. Obviously, I want them to win. Come on, the elephants. So, I don't really care, but I I like a good game of football and I'm very, very much enjoying some of the games. So, moving on in Sewing Corner, uh, I'd made the 26 alphabet bags or drawstring bags for the new primary one class going into school next year. What they're going to do is they're going to find things that begin with all the letters that have on the drawstring bags, so say A, go find stuff, that begins with e and put it in. get so up have an alpaca, I don't think Dorito would be very happy about it, it's not big enough, uh, or an ant, I don't know whether the ant would be very happy either, especially if he's in the word Dorito. Anyway, each one was made with some gorgeous cotton from the local haberdashery Elizabeth in Thurso, and each one of them had a letter I in felt that I zigzagged onto It was zigzagged onto the back. I used a simple drawstring pattern from Daisy's sewing book and once I had cut the fabric and then cut the felt letters out, they took very little time to sew up. Daisy helped me pinning and ironing and getting them sorted and then pointing out that there was no letter P. I actually really enjoyed making these and, well, yesterday I was gifted a bottle of pins as a thank you. I've only ever had pins once, well twice, but it was the same weekend. So when I went up to London, I met with Kerry, Ruby, Fiona and London Sam. And we went to the pub to watch Andy Murray win Wimbledon. Oh, it was such a hot day. Ladies and gents, I'd love for you to come up and drink this with me and watch Andy Murray win again. Thinking of that hot, hot day made me smile. Speaking of smiling, hi Tanya. I'm smiling to you. It's smiling at Tanya from Tj Frogs section. Everyone smiled, Tanya not in a creepy way mind because she's just someone when you meet her you smile like Catherine Limer. if they came on the bus or the train everybody on the bus or train just nod your head because it's slightly. Like I know you're not going to speak to the people beside you you will be putting your hand up and say come on, sit with me Catherine Limer and Tanya and I was listening to Tanya's podcast recently when I was weeding because I've been doing quite a bit of that I have great parsnips just now and people's but I still need to find weed the carrots. You have to let them come through before you can actually tell what's weeded. Needs weeded. Roar. Anyway, I was really sad that I couldn't get to meet up with Tanya at Torridon when Richard should have been doing his kilt man because Tanya's husband Garant does the photography on the event and she goes along too. We have plans. Plans with seeds So do go find TJ Frog's podcast and hear about her crafty stuff on the island of Skye. And, of course, it's Tour de Fleece very soon. I hope you're all getting prepped up for this. Thank you, Nick, to Yarns from the Plane for the reminder because she's got a, a fibre a fiber drive on just now. So if you're wanting to buy some for the Tour de Fleece, go no further than Yarns from the Plane. I don't know whether I'm going to manage it this year due to holly bags, but I still quite like to do a bit of spinning. Now, what's put me off a little bit is what to do with the hand spun after thing. Because none of it is big enough to make anything much of. So am I missing a book or a pattern collection or what that deals with that? The other idea that uh, the lovely male, hello male, uh, pointed out, which well, she didn't actually point out, but she said that she was thinking about doing, was using the hand spun for a Jennifer Steingass yoke jumper. So the colour that she would use... In the yoke that I'm using, the white on mine, she would use her hand spun on that part. I thought that's actually quite a good idea. So I might think about that, even though I don't know if I've actually got enough for that kind of thing. But I do reckon that I'm going to have a good skein left over of the red of the arboreal. So I don't know what I'm going to be doing with that. Now, in the library corner, I read The Handmaiden's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Which, whilst I'd seen the film back in the 90s, I think it was, I'd not watched the Netflix series and it's ended differently to what I remember the film. But I really hope that the world does not go this way. Because, well, some parts are dangerously close to. I'd be called Off Richard. I'm not really very keen on that at all. My name is Louise. Not Lou, not Lolly, not Lulu, not Weezy, and certainly not Off Richard, but Louise. I also read Matt Haig's How to Stop Time, which is a very interesting way of looking at growing old, And that the main character grows older by one year every 15. Kind of the opposite way of that dogs have seven dog years to one human year. The main character has 15 human years to his one aging year. So he was born in Elizabethan times and now is looking only about 42. So it was worth a listen. That noise is before trying to get in the door. I'm plodding on with my le Miserables on my Kindle, but very slowly. I've just learned all about Waterloo. How does it feel that you won the war? Yeah, I saw an a lot in my head. And I've given you all that ear- earworm. Shoppy section. Shoppy section. The shop doesn't have very much in it. I'd say thank you very much for your purchase as the past whenever it was. I do intend on making a whole pile of stuff out of Angela's Scotch tweed. She made up some tweed specially for her own design and I cut it the other day and it's beautiful to work with. So I must get upstairs and do a bit of sewing. If you feel you'd like to contribute to my continuing running of the podcast pocket stuff back as well then please do go visit www.hse.com for slash shop for slash Craft. Or you can support the podcast and get nothing back if that's your want. And this is paypal.me for slash craft. I am happy to review patterns, books or yarns or notions. And if you're in that line, don't be shy.
1: Blah,
0: blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, HM. blah, Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to download and then listen to me splaff on. I'd like to add that all the opinions are mine. Sometimes Richard's, maybe Michael's. I do occasionally get facts wrong. I really try not to, and I don't do it on purpose. My email is kathniscraftcollective at gmail.com I'm in is Louise Hunt. The group is Craft Collective on there. I know I need to update the last episode and this episode with show notes. I'm on Etsy, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook as Kathness Craft, and you can get the podcast from the Podbean site as www.kathniscraftcollective.podbean.com the intro and the outro is the Crossroads school children singing over the old and it was beautiful. It kind of made me cry actually. I hope it isn't you but it did me because thinking I'm not going to see this again as he's moving on. However, Miss Daisy stays and we will have fun. So thank you for listening and keep on crafting.
2: What can you go give him lots What's the sure for like making the most slightest of noises with your foot or your... Because yeah. I've not when you, blink. when you blink, you make too much noise blinking. Right, go.
0: I'm keep that and use it as a Yeah,
1: yeah. Come <laughs>